Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. I'm starting a new series, a six-part series today, entitled, The Lord is Our Helper. Our generation is in need of assurance. Assurance that despite the negatives transpiring around about us, if we are part of Heavenly Father's family, we are not alone. The Lord is our helper. I read from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. For God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord underscore, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And so again, I say our generation is in need of assurance, assurance that despite all of the fiery darts Satan is shooting in our direction, if we are part of Heavenly Father's family, the Lord is on our side. I read from Psalm 118 and verse 6, underscore, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The psalmist, as he penned these words, was calm and confident. Even though he was in the midst of enemies who were continually trying to take his life, And I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that our generation needs the same kind of calmness and confidence today as we are assured by God's Word and His sweet Holy Spirit that the Lord is on our side. In the six-part series I'm beginning today titled, The Lord is Our Helper, we're going to allow God's Word and His sweet Spirit to assure us that indeed, if God be for us, who can be against us? And in our first session, we're focusing on the truth that He is our great caregiver. You don't have to raise your hands or nod your heads, but have you ever felt as though no one cares? If you have, you're not alone. I want you to listen intently as David cried out in Psalm 142 and verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuse failed me, none to score. No man cared for my soul. My friends, in case you have not arrived at the position of knowing that God cares for you. I want to inform you or maybe remind and reassure you that God does care. And you may ask the question, why does God care for me? God cares for you because you are important. God cares for me because I am important. Those things and and those people that are important to us, we care about, don't we? And if this is true of we humans who are of finite ability, 
How much more should be true of our Heavenly Father who is infinite in His ability to care? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon Him. And as if someone were about to ask, Pastor Peter, why should we cast all of our care upon Him? He resounds for all of time, for He careth for you. God cares so much for you, and God cares so much for me that we are told in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 that God desires to exalt, to elevate us in due time. Now, I must be honest with you, sometimes I have felt as though God was a bit slow in doing this in my life. I have felt at times that I know best when God should have been exalting me. But you and I must always remember that God is aware of all things, and God knows when you and I can stand to be exalted, and God knows how we will go through the exalting process, because God cares for us. And because we are important to God, we can rest assured that God desires to raise us up. God desires to exalt us to the highest point of joy and contentment. But in order for this to be reality, in order for God to exalt us in due time, there are at least two things that you and I should do. First of all, we must, according to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, humble ourselves. There are many things which make up the quality of humility, but one of the most outstanding ingredients and features is that of developing a submissive attitude, submission to God, and submission to one another. And will you agree with me that we are in need of a revival of submission in the days in which you and I are living? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, he penned to that generation and to ours, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Now, Peter was referring, I'm sure, to chronological age, but I'm also convicted and convinced that there is a spiritual undertone in what he is expressing, because each of us must understand with mind and heart that there is always someone who is superior to us. And there is an answering that must take place in the chain of command and authority. God says without reservation that He wants to exalt us in due time. And because God wants to do that, you and I must not put on a show of superficial, shallow appearance of humility. 
but rather we must, as 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 says, we must be clothed. May I say that again? We must be clothed. May I say it one more time? We must be clothed with humility. Now, why is this so important? Why is it imperative that you be clothed with humility and I be clothed with humility? Because we are told in this verse that God cannot tolerate a proud person. Now, this is not Pastor Dan talking. This is God speaking. And God says He resists the proud. But I'm glad it doesn't end there. He giveth grace to who? He giveth grace to the humble. My friends, the divine favor of God is given to those who will allow themselves to be clothed with and in humility. This is the kind of person that God can lift. This is the kind of individual that God can promote. God can take an humble person who has very little and raise that individual up to be an instrument of usefulness in the cause of heaven. Let me give you an illustration. Do you remember Saul in the Old Testament? The Bible says that Saul stood a head and shoulders in his statue above all of the other men of that area. But Saul failed. Why did he fail? He failed God and he went down in defeat all because of a proud spirit that would not submit to God's plan. But God took a humble servant shepherd boy who was tending his father's flock on the backside of the desert. And God said, this is an individual who is after my own heart. And God elevated, God raised him to be king of Israel. So if you and I will humble ourselves, God will exalt us in due time. Secondly, in order to be exalted in due time, we must, according to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, cast all our care upon God. I want us to look at verse 7 very closely in order to allow this to become clearer in our conviction. First of all, the Bible says we must cast. We must cast all our care upon Him. The word cast is a very interesting word. It means to place on the mark. It means to place with accuracy. I don't do much fishing anymore. I, I still enjoy fishing, but I haven't done much of it in years. But one of the things that I learned very early on when my mother began to teach me how to fish was the importance of a good cast. Casting the bait or the lure in a position that would be advantageous to catching a fish. As you and I are humbled under the mighty hands of God, 
we begin to more and more consistently place all things at the mark of God's prescription, God's prescription for us as individuals, God's prescription according to His divine purpose and plan and not our own Also, verse number seven says we're to cast all. That means we should not be holding back anything. You and I must never be guilty of thinking that anything is too big for God to handle. And at the same time, we must never think that there is anything too small that God is not concerned about. God cares about the big mountains. And God cares about the little hills in our lives. God cares about the deep valleys. And God cares about the shallow ditches in our lives. God cares about the broad rivers. And God cares about the narrow streams in our lives. And God is constantly encouraging us as His children, don't hold back anything. If the obstacle is big or if the hindrance is small, God is saying, don't keep it to yourselves. Release it. Release all of it. Why? Because God is interested in our personal needs. He wants to be our helper. Sometimes we become guilty of feeling that God really does care about those who appear to be more spiritual and mature than we are. But the next word says, casting all your. Oh, my friends, our Heavenly Father cares for you. And our Heavenly Father cares for me. God cares for us. As individuals, God created us with unique and distinct personalities and characteristics. And God is interested that our abilities will be developed to their ultimate potential. Fail Him? At times, we do. And yet, God is constantly consoling as he pleads, personally care that I care for you. And personally understand that if you will allow me the opportunity and cast all your, I will do something for you that you cannot do for yourselves and no one else can do for you. Casting what? Casting all your care. That word care means burden. May I reread it? Casting all your burden. That word care means need. May I reread it? Casting all your need. That word means trouble. May I reread it? Casting all your trouble. That word means problem. May I reread it? Casting all your problem. That word means desire. May I reread it one more time? Casting all your desire. Our friends, 
It matters not how intense our particular care may be. God wants us to cast all our care. And where, do we, where are we to cast it? What is the mark? What is the place? Underscore for the rest of your life and living, casting all your care upon who? Upon Him. Oh, my friends, have we really become convinced as God's children that our Heavenly Father and His Son, they have wide shoulders, shoulders that stretch from one end of eternity until the other? Do we need to be reminded that all of our burdens, all of our needs, all of our troubles, all of our problems, all of our desires, all of them can be cast upon Him? All through the Bible, God is encouraging mankind to humble Himself. All through the Scriptures, God is encouraging us to cast all of our care upon the loving Heavenly Father. One of the most outstanding examples of this is located in Psalm 55 in verse 22. David was a man who had learned the formula for exaltation. And David desired his chief musician to put these words to melody. Listen intently. Cast thy burden where? Cast thy burden upon the Lord. And as if the chief musician were about to ask, well, why should I cast my burden upon the Lord? He resounds, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. May I repeat that? Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. That's exciting to me. That's so exciting if I were in a Pentecostal church. You know what I'd say about now, don't you? How? Just as David encouraged then, we need to be encouraging one another now to cast our burden upon the Lord. To be sure, God cares for us. But we can also be sure that the devil wants to make us doubt God's care. God's care is a threat to the enemy of God and the enemy of the human family. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober and vigilant and as if someone were about to ask, well, Pastor Peter, why should we be sober? Why should we be vigilant? He resounds, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And my friends, one of the ways Satan can devour us is to get us to question God's care. Another way that Satan can devour us is to get us to presume things about God's care that are not 
biblical, and he is an expert at this. He even used this approach with Jesus. Let me go back to Matthew chapter 5 and remind us of that. Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Then the devil taketh Jesus up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So what was the devil doing? He was attempting to get Jesus to doubt the care of his heavenly Father. He was attempting to get Jesus to presume something about Heavenly Father's care that was not biblical. Now, the question I need to ask myself, and the question you need to ask yourself is this, how can we overcome Satan's trickery concerning God's care? 1 Peter chapter 5, the A part of verse 9 whom, talking about Satan, whom resist steadfast in the faith. You see, this kind of faith that Pastor Peter's talking about will help us to be sober, that he alluded to in verse 8. This kind of faith will help us to be vigilant, as he alluded to in verse number 8. Now, Let me bring out something very important about faith in this verse. The kind of faith that can resist the devil. This kind of faith involves knowing and accepting something the devil does not want us to know. Something your enemy and my enemy does not want us to accept. What is it? 1 Peter chapter 5, the B part of verse 9, knowing, knowing what? Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Did you notice that verse 9 tells us that you and I are not alone in our afflictions? We're not the first to suffer. We're not the only ones to suffer. Also, did you notice in verse number 9 that that the Bible tells us that even brethren suffer afflictions? When Satan came to Jesus and tempted him in regard to God's care, how did Jesus respond? He responded with the Word of God. Jesus said, it is written. And when the devil comes to us and tempts us in regard to God's care, how should you and I respond? We should respond the very same way Jesus did, with the Word of God. I have by no means suffered in ways and in depths as the apostles, 
I have, in all probability, never suffered as much as some of you have. But let me share with you how I respond to the devil. I respond by quoting Scripture. And some of my favorite passages to quote are right here in 1 Peter. Allow me the privilege of paraphrasing like I quote to my enemy who's trying to devour me. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Devil, I will not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try me as though some strange thing happened unto me. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 13. Devil, I will rejoice inasmuch as I am a partaker of Christ's sufferings, so that when His glory shall be revealed, I may be glad also with exceeding joy. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14. Devil, if I am reproached for the name of Christ, I am happy. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon me. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, Devil, if I suffer as a Christian, I will not be ashamed, but I will glorify God on this behalf. Does it work? Absolutely. Question. After Jesus quoted Scripture to Satan, do you think that Jesus was still physically hungry? Absolutely. Jesus was still hungry. But Jesus knew that relief was on the way. May I repeat that? Jesus knew that relief was on the way. I think I need to repeat it one more time. Jesus knew that relief was on the way. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11. Then the devil leaveth Jesus, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. After I quote Scripture to Satan, I may not understand why certain things happen the way they happen. But if I remain true and steadfast in faith, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 will be a reality. Allow me to slightly paraphrase again. But the God of all grace, who hath called me, Danny Gerard, unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that I have suffered a while, will make me perfect. He will establish, he will strengthen. He will settle me. Now, why can you and I be certain about 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10? Why can we be convinced that it will be a reality? Because of the assurance of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6. So that we may boldly say, not timidly, not reservedly, but so that we may boldly say, the Lord 
is my helper, and I will not fear what man or the devil shall do unto me, because if God be for me, who can be against me? And after I quote these to Satan, I'm about ready to shout hallelujah, and sometimes I do. But I also know that just because I resist the devil one time does not mean it is over. He is tenacious, and I know that he will attempt to get me to doubt the care of my Heavenly Father again and again and again, just as he did Jesus. Luke chapter 4 and verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from Jesus for how long? For a season. And my brothers and sisters, because you and I know that the enemy will be back, we must constantly claim over and over and over again God's promise in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. God said to that generation, and God saying to our generation today, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so because I know that the enemy will be back, you and I must constantly sing and shout. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 11. Because even though we may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, to God be glory. To God be dominion. How long? Forever and ever. God cares for us. God is our helper. God is our great caregiver. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.